This week on The Clappers, I'm going to tell you something that you don't need to see. I'm going to tell you about a great event that is not worth going to anymore. <laughs> um, Carl's going to tell you about a film that you should see called The Nightingale. And I, I actually agree with him. I um, mentioned some things coming up at Melbourne Cinema Tech. Carl talks about a television show called... Succession. Succession. It's season very, 2, very which successful. is even better than season 1. <laughs> and I also talk about a book. Yes, a book. An actual book that you read with your hands and your eyes. Oh, it's all happening here in The Clappers. It is. Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. And it's a delight to be here. Because we're dry. Yeah. While outside, <laughs> it's wet. It's wet and miserable. Did you go? That's not what you meant, is it? You meant it's a delight to be here because we're still breathing? Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's just, you know, (laughs) just. It's opposite hotel agencies, you know. (laughs) I wish hotel agencies was open when I got here so I could go and get some damn saucepans. I need some saucepans. Right. And I've decided that the kind of saucepans I need, you can get from hotel agencies. Right. And they are as good as, but significantly cheaper than many other saucepans. Excellent. Then I think you should arrange to come here half an hour earlier next time. You know, I did come here. <laughs> I did come here, but they close at five. <gasps> I was here at five. So you need to be here a whole hour earlier. I'm going to have to work something out with hotel yeah. agencies. Come maybe, the maybe they could just deliver me some saucepans for saying hotel agencies. Maybe you could look them up so on the interwebs. on the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> so this is, this is um, what? The pans for comment is that yeah, what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, pans here? for comment. Right. I like it. Okay. Well, I still have. I've. I've still haven't heard from the 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 sons the, and brothers at, at Thomas Cooper's. Right. Uh, with, right. With my um or, supply or the sock manufacturer. Yeah, Pantherella. Pantherella. Yeah. From them. It's, it's, I'm kind of surprised, really, that they that they're so reticent in coming forward to offer this, me their this product. Splashing around this largesse, this yeah. this verbal largesse, telling people where to get their socks, back. what beer to drink. <laughs> And where to get their source? Pans. I think you may even have spooked a particular drum manufacturer at some point. A symbol, symbol, yeah. Maybe, maybe symbol. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Anyway, anyway. Yes, Andrew. Welcome. Thank you. It's it's good to be here. Uh, did you go to White Knight? No. White Knights. Or I White went last what, what, year. What would you call it? Would you call it White Knights or White? Well, Knight? this year, yeah, because uh, it was over three nights, wasn't it? Yeah. I think you do need to call it White, White Knights. Knights. Yep. But yep. Uh, no, I went. Uh, I went last year, mm. and I, I, I did the, I did that tricky thing of getting up at three in the morning, mm. getting the train in, wandering around until basically sun up, and then, and then I went to work and wrote about it. Yes, so, I remember you said. Yeah, that. And, yeah, and it was actually, I had a fantastic experience. Yeah. I've, last I've year. gone every one except for the one where I broke my arm just a couple of hours before it began. Right, and and I had to go to the hospital. Right, and um, so you went for white light instead and, of white and night, I, and, and I wasn't. Allowed Allowed. No. I wasn't allowed to go into the white night with my broken arm. No. It was a lot of pain, mm. though, so probably a good decision. And I was walking home from the hospital, um, and people were asking me if I was going to white night. It was making me angrier and angrier as <laughs> each person was asking me. It's very, strip was full very of surprising. Happy people all on their way to white. How are you going? Have you been? Isn't it great? So I didn't go because it's in winter. Okay, I'm not, I'm, as you know, a delicate man of delicate health and sensibilities. And I am not walking around in the night, in the cold, for hours, gazing at the sky and at projections. And I'm just... Okay, so for those who don't know or who have never been... What's wrong with these people? uh, White Night is a sort of basically... Celebration of Melbourne. A nighttime celebration. There's a lot of sort of light installation work. um, Projections and so on. 
And uh, there's also performance kind of mm-hmm. stuff that goes oh, on throughout the city. Stages with bands and yeah. the libraries open and different parts of the city are open for people to go in. It's, and it's, it's a pretty good thing. I love it. it. I yeah. think it's great. I just think that... I don't love the crowds, the, i got to say. You mean the... I don't love the 300,000 people jammed in around Flinders Street I, Station. I, are you, you talking know? about the ethnical makeup of the crowds? No, the, the, I'm, talking the about the, I'm talking about the numerical makeup okay. of the crowd. Yeah. I don't like lots of people in one place. You know, you know what you need to do? What? You need to go and watch your football team play because that's certainly a place where you're not going to see lots of oh, people boo, in one place. Boo. Did you watch the game on Saturday? Boo. Oh. Let's just move along. Um, anyway. So, yeah. so White Knight, I you didn't I, go this we, year. We, we both agree that it's a great thing for yeah. Melbourne and it's a, and we've spoken about it before on the podcast. But they have moved it from the summer. From February, where it was last where year. Where it belongs, it yeah. the summer, where mm-hmm. it's hot and, and dry and you can walk and about. being out all night feels like be, a, an okay thing to do. It's a really nice thing to do. You mm-hmm. know, you're in your shirt, you're in your slacks. Mm-hmm. Some people are in shorts, uh, you know. Anyway, it's now in winter when mm-hmm. it's bloody freezing. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I thought was great about it and the past ones is all the families, all the kids, and, yeah. and all the families out. What what responsible, sensible parent is bringing their infant and pram uh, ch- ridden child out in the middle of the night when it's bloody freezing? You yeah, know? so it's you know, my my guess mm. is that this was a deliberate strategy because the crowds have been like. Mm. Massive, mm. and that this has been an attempt to kind of disperse yeah. and to yeah, what almost, a great idea. almost dampen what, the what a, what a great, Let's have this great <laughs> night that everyone wants to go to, but let's put it on at a time so that hardly anybody will go. And 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 it boggles the mind, it, it really does. It is, it, it really is intriguing because it did come out of this push for the sort of 24 hour city that was mm. not driven by alcohol, yeah, right, yeah. And uh, so, years ago, I interviewed Robert Doyle and he was talking about this what then seemed this quite fanciful idea of mm. having you know this sort of all night extravaganza, all the galleries open for free, and blah blah yeah. blah, and people not wandering around being drunk. And this was at a time when I think there was a, a massive concern about um, sort of all night, you know, late night drunkenness in yep. the city. You know, thankfully we didn't go the way of Sydney and no. into the lockout kind of territory. No. Um, so I find it interesting that they've kind of pulled back from that this yeah. year. This is a sort of I think this year was an interim step. As of next year, the White Knight they'll have it and Melbourne Festival become one kind of sprawling entity. So uh-huh. uh, I you know that yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's yeah it's out there. That's not I'm not breaking news there. I'm afraid. Um, so I don't I don't know whether they whether it. It's been a victim of its own success to some degree that it just got too big, mm. and so that whole it's too business much fun, too many well, people. Well, and you, you know the the family thing was definitely a hit, but there was probably also a bit of sort of public rowdiness and whatever. As it's going to be when you it get was. six or seven hundred thousand yeah. people in the city late at night, it's going to happen. So there was definitely that, and that's what you. But I got to say, the yeah. numbers in terms yeah. of like arrests and drunkenness and all that were so low. Yeah, they yeah. were like they were they were no greater than they would have been at an average. Kind of football match, really. Yeah, and, and particularly down in Geelong. An average football match that would particularly be particularly down the in type of Football match that you're used to, <laughs> I imagine. When you ever watch, I bet, I bet you haven't watched any, have you? What? I don't blame you. I don't blame I've you. Watched several, don't several you. games. You see, I even went to, even went to a game uh, at the G. Good, sadly, to watch Carlton being pelted by Richmond, mm. who I've got to say, yeah, they're looking good. Do aren't look they? like a very good team. Richmond, Collingwood, Brisbane, all look. Magnificent. Mm. They do not occupy Geelong? the number one spot on the You're ladder. Not confident. Our game against Brisbane revealed something in our way of playing that staggered me, but again didn't surprise me because I've been seeing it over and over and over and over again. And I 
saw no mention from anybody speaking on behalf of the team, players or coaching staff on this particular matter, which I'm not going to bore the listeners going into detail about, but I, I'm concerned that, that we will make those mistakes again. You're going to give us a hint? Well, uh, okay. So, Slow? so, so the, 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 no, no, no. The last eight minutes, uh, the last eight minutes of the game against Brisbane, we were three goals up. Okay, and we were continually turning over the possession of the ball, giving, get, kicking not not to the to the, uh, the whole empty half of the ground where we could just possess the ball and maybe even score. Not that we needed to. We were turning over the ball, and which resulted in them beating us by right. kicking goals. What do you reckon is going to happen? You mm. know, and it was that same that same um, stretch of the ground that, they, that the def- defenders, like you know, Tom Stewart, um, just kept kicking the ball to and. Zach Tui, and, and it just anybody, even somebody who probably only ever watches soccer would have been able to watch that game and think, wait a minute, why are they doing that? And I've asked people, because I didn't grow up playing this game, I've only been watching it for 25 years or so, so I'm not really an expert, and no one can tell me, and it's just infuriating, and I'm worried the same thing is going to happen again. We'll have a comfortable lead, then we'll just be recklessly turning the ball over, and a better accurate a team with better accuracy will just... S- Smack us down. Can I just say, it might not be that bad, right? Mm -hmm. You you may not have a comfortable lead. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the Vuelta is on as well. If you love sport and if you love racing, cycling, it's uh, a beautiful race. And what's especially enjoyable about the Vuelta is that they are not shy in norm- the Tour de France and the Giro, the Tour of Italy. You can see all the beautiful parts of France and Italy. In Spain, they don't mind if you see the quarry. They don't mind if you see earth-moving equipment and piles of rubble. They don't mind if you see where the Ikea is or where the Bunnings is, whatever the Spanish equivalents are. So it's a great and amusing contrast between these beautiful vistas of Spain and then, and then the parts of town that you would avoid at certain times of night. It's great. It's, it's reality. Reality cycling. It's reality cycling, yes. <laughs> Andrew, there's a, a movie that I, I'm going to really urge you to go and see, an Australian movie called mm. The Nightingale. Okay. And I've heard of this. You have heard of this? Yes, I've heard of yeah, this. Okay. So it's Jennifer Kent's uh, new movie. She directed the wrote and directed The Babadook. She's written and directed this. It is, I, th- I think, one of the strongest Australian films I've seen in many, many years. Mm-hmm. Although I would say that Sweet Country, which came out last year, was also an incredibly strong film, and it mm-hmm. occupies similar territory to some degree. Uh, it is about the interface between uh, Australian and Indigenous culture in this country in, in se- uh, like early settlement days. The Sweet Country happens a little bit later. This is set in 1825 Tasmania, um, and it's very much a, a sort of... Well, I suppose in simple terms, it's a revenge tale. Mm. A woman loses a husband and her child to a brutal English officer and sets out to find him uh, with with the aid of an Aboriginal tracker to hunt him down and exact uh, some kind of revenge. Yeah, and that that's it in its yeah. in its simplest terms. Good. But it's really, really rich. It has this kind of uh, very, very dense sense of a class structure uh, and a, a kind of. Um, um, uh, what would you say? A kind of a multi-layered hierarchy in mm. which there's there's the the gentleman officers mm. who disdain the 
working class officers who disdain, or the sort of you know the socially mobile. Yeah. Let's say let's call them yep. middle class. Probably probably the second NCOs. or third son yep. of you know some industrialist, whatever it might be, yep. somebody who's a merchant, not the gentry, basically not, not the, the gentry. gentry. That's yep. right. So they're going to have to go out and earn a living. Yep. They end up in the military. They end up in but the colony because just people might it's not a good know career this, path up until. I think the First World War, you were able to buy your commission. You could buy a regiment, buy your commission. Um, if if people are interested, the cry, the history of the Crimean War is very interesting from the point of view of many of its commanders were completely incompetent and had bought their commissions, bought their regiments, and had no real understanding of how to how to win and fight battles. In this, you don't so much get a sense that the the officer in question, played by Sam Claflin, who's a bit of a heartthrob actor, who's okay. probably best known from the Hunger Games movies, right? He's he's you know good looking lad and all that. Here he's he's basically playing. He's the villain, a psychopath. Great. So he's not he's not incompetent. Mm. He's just incredibly cruel. Yeah. Incredibly yeah. vicious character. Mm-hmm. Uh, beneath him, you have the the uh, the the NCOs. You've got Damon Harriman playing a sergeant, and mm-hmm. in this sort of you know red tunic that is so like faded and washed out, and mm-hmm. you kind of go, it almost looks like it's been made from hessian sacks and mm-hmm. over dyed, you know. And then, you know, you've got beneath them the, the, the grunts who are being... So it's kind of like this layer upon layer of bullying. Yeah. And it's the classic sort of... Uh, well, I guess it is that sort of the, that fascist social structure where you're always... The, the weak are always looking for somebody who's weaker mm-hmm. so that they yeah. feel vaguely empowered in, in that, that sort of chain of brutality. And, of course, at the very bottom of this... Uh, are the 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 convicts yep. or at the bottom? I should say not the very bottom. No. Are the the convicts, particularly the Irish convicts? Yep. So there's convicts. Uh, English convicts are probably slightly above Irish convicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Irish male convicts are probably slightly above Irish female convicts, mm-hmm. and then the blacks yep. are at the very bottom. And it, it really is a sort of a, an examination, I think, in in really great tight genre terms. Mm-hmm of how that played out in in that era of Australian history. I I would put it... I would say seeing this film and seeing the Australian dream have something like the same effect, Mm -hmm. I think, the the Australian dream being the Adam Goodstocker, in that they they make you realise, or I I think they they make a case anyway, uh, you won't necessarily agree with it, but I I do, that you you can't appreciate modern Australia without appreciating or without understanding the conditions that gave rise to it. Hmm. And uh, you have to, I think, sort of... But this is also, as well as being worthy, it's an entertaining film. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It works so absolutely yeah. solidly as a piece of genre filmmaking. It is it is a really, really powerful, uh, tense kind of thriller yeah. uh, with with moments of absolute brutality. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it works in that revenge thriller kind of space, no, no question. Great performances. I think her name's Azling Franchosi. Mm. She's a, an Irish actress. She uh, plays the, the, the convict woman, yeah. um, Claire. And, and then uh, an Aboriginal actor, Baikali Ganambar, who plays Billy, who's the tracker. And he's somebody, I think this might be his first film. And okay. just fantastic presence. Yeah. yeah. And uh, really, really compelling story. Beautifully shot in a in a an almost square format. Um, okay. Well, oh, I think what is what they call the academy One, three, format. Three. Um, I don't I don't know what the ratio is exactly. I think it's maybe four to three, maybe tighter than that. I even think it, I think it's tighter, but I know I can picture what you yeah, the ratio yeah. aspect ratio you mean. And it's it's like it f- it all feels quite claustrophobic, right? In yeah. spite of the fact that it all takes place in the the Tasmanian bush. Yeah. We don't want no trouble. 
That's just the way, isn't it? You don't want trouble, but sometimes trouble wants you. There I'd sit and cry my fill. Get me to the soldiers that came by this morning. It's too dangerous. Up north, they kill us. You sure you want to follow him? Amazing film. Well, you see it on a big screen, but yeah. you're seeing it on a small, a small version of a big screen. screen yeah. So it's, it's quite it's and, an and interesting of course, choice. Depending on which cinema you see it in, you might be seeing it in a, in a decent sized one, or you might be in a one about the size of this. Studio. Either way, the ratio will be the same. The ratio will yeah, be the same. Yeah, yeah. It'll be quite you reminded widely me, available, that one, I think. Oh, that's an awful pun. When you were speaking about that, you reminded me that Melbourne Cinematheque has coming up in October uh, an Ivan Sen retrospective yep. so if you've missed a couple of Ivan Sen films and I know I have you can see them all over a two week period Cinematheque is on how right many are there it's about eight I think are there there's some short ones oh, short like as well. yeah, okay, right. uh, so, so there Cinematheque is on is at the moment it's on in the great uh, Walter and Marion Burley Griffin designed Capitol Theatre that they've recently reopened uh, after like a second lot of restoration because they're doing up the Acme at the Federation Square. So Cinematheque is on every Wednesday night. It starts at 6.30 and they usually show two films, sometimes with a couple of little things. And you buy a membership, you can buy an annual membership, but you really should have done it. There's no point doing it now because it, you know, it'll end at the end of the year. But you can buy a membership which allows you like to see three consecutive screenings. So tonight, for instance, um, a little sorry to miss, is uh, Ellen Elaine May. Uh, retrospective tonight and then next week uh, there's the two there's Ishtar which he's probably most known for and uh, Mikey and Nick uh, John Cassavetes and Peter Falk star in if you're interested in Elaine May you'll definitely get a chance to do that by the time this podcast comes out at the Melbourne Cinematheque but yeah you can want to catch up with some of uh, Ivan Sen's work I mean, Beneath Clouds Mystery Road um, I can't remember the others but Goldstone Tumula there you go, Tumula. That's that's the one that I haven't seen, so I, haven't I, seen that. I definitely want to see that. Um, you can do that, okay? So that's something worthwhile. It's been going on in Melbourne for I don't know what twenty, thirty, how many years? Cinematic. Yeah. Oh, I think I think it's longer than that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, they it, it's it's um, very reasonably priced too if you do the membership. It's one hundred and seventy dollars, and that's it for the whole year. You know, if you have your Wednesday evenings free, which we don't, uh, so you can go and check that out if you so desire. Andrew, yeah, you probably don't know this show because you don't have Foxtel, and except when you go over and crib it from somebody else. Yes, true. Succession. No, no, you've spoken about this. I'm aware yeah. of it. Yeah, we spoke about it on the season, podcast. You've told me all about it. Season two, man. Do it's we need to talk about better. it? even better. Is it? It's even better. Can we talk about something that's no good? I'm just, no, well, go on. I'll leave that up to you. But but I just <laughs> yes. just put it out there. Yeah, I, I, season I, I, two I, I, I is... I don't doubt it. it, it just it. as it's just as like mm -hmm. tortured and dramatic and kind of these evil characters manipulating mm -hmm. and this kind of faux kind of Murdoch family kind of scenario. Yep. Who will take the reins of the massive media conglomerate? Uh, Waystar Royco and uh, and it, it's it's all there mm -hmm, in season mm -hmm, two, mm -hmm. um, but it's funnier. Okay. It's like I don't I don't know quite how they've done it, yeah. but they've just tweaked the dials ever so it's slightly. Funny, uh, yeah, but uh -huh. it doesn't sacrifice any of the drama and and okay. all the shenanigans that's oh, going good. on between. It is so good. The writing in this show is 
brilliant. The performances are amazingly good. Mm. Big shout out again. I know I've done it before to Sarah Snook, Australian actress who's in it. But the whole cast is brilliant. And Brian Cox as as Logan Roy, the the yes. Murdochian patriarch, is just is just fantastic. Anyway, that, seek it out if you can. That, that that would be a companion piece if you're interested in just watching television and you have all the subscriptions to the loudest voice in the room. I don't know if I mentioned the loudest that. voice, yeah, just called the loudest voice. It's from yeah, the based book, on the book, the loudest, the loudest voice, voice in the room, room yeah. which I've read, and it's. So, did you watch the series? I've watched one episode. Gripped of, you. of the series. It's really good. It is very, really, very good. really good. What's his name? Russell um, Crowe. That's him. As Roger he's Ailes. very good. The founder of he's, Fox News. He's incredible. Uh, it seems he that gets better. Like when an actor puts on a lot of weight and then finds a character to play that has that is a guy with a lot of weight, <laughs> they seem to do amazing work. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, in Chris, defense, Christopher in Christian defense, Bale. In, in, in defense advice. of Russell Crowe's physique. A lot of it that needs no extra defending. weight. It needs no a defending. lot of that extra weight from is you. padding. Needs no defending from you. Yeah, well, okay? he, 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 lives at, he wouldn't ordinarily get. He it. lives at Finger Wharf, Woolloomooloo. Yeah, a lot Just of like a lot of the weight that he's carrying is Roger Ailes, and this okay. is padding. And, and it's, uh, he's very makeup. good. Yeah. He's very good. Okay, he could be the Charles Lawton of our times. You know, he really could. So I recommend the uh, Roger Ailes. It's very so do good. I. Very good. But something I don't recommend, I I dis. Recommend. I I unrecommend <laughs> is a show, and I'm not look. I'm not surprised about this. Uh, I, I don't even know what possessed me to even start watching a little bit of it, but I did watch an episode. Okay, so drum that's, roll, drum roll. You kept me on tenterhooks here. What is this 40 show? Minutes of my rapidly diminishing <laughs> span gone. <coughs> it's called. You wouldn't be dead for quids. I haven't seen okay. it. Okay, it was lovingly, um, gushingly <laughs> reviewed by Graham Blundell in the Weekend Australian. He was friends with the author of the books, Robert G. Barrett, and he has some misgivings about the show, but loves Robert G. Barrett as Are a guy. Are you talking about Les Norton? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I so, oh, is it? It's called Les Norton. It's called Les Norton. Because yeah, 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 the first yeah, yeah, novel yeah, yeah. is called "You Wouldn't Be Dead yeah, for yeah, Quids." Yeah. Okay. So, if you're going to diss a show, can I suggest you at least get the name right? So, so, who does it cares? matter? <laughs> oh, you almost made me swear then, Carl. You almost made me use profane language. Like seriously, who cares? Especially when it's something like this, where it's about. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. I've only seen Don't, the first episode. I'm not going to tell you what it's about. Don't watch it. Nobody in it can act except for David Wenham, which I think is amazing considering some of these people actually get offers and get jobs as actors in the real world, yet they're all terrible. Uh, the writing's embarrassing. The Angus Sampson voiceover, well, he talks about what Les is doing and Les is coming up here and he's doing that and he's eating some chips He's having a beer. <laughs> uh, it just makes you cringe, even worse than what I just did then. If what I did just then made you cringe, the, don't. Just spare yourself. Spare people that you love. Tell anybody that you love to not watch this program. It's ghastly and embarrassing. And I remember when it, the books came out, my friend worked at the publisher, and she said that they can't print, they couldn't print enough of them. They were so popular. It like kept the company aloft and in the black. Just this. And this happens a lot with publishers. You know, so Roald Dahl did the just, same thing. Just frame Penguin. it. The books yeah. are from like the mid-80s, uh, 83 yeah, to yeah, started, yeah, I think, the first one. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of them more to the, the late 80s. But yeah, yeah, and they're about a guy who is uh, a bit like a... Um, 
Terry McCann uh, well, in Minder. He's yeah, a bit I, of a, he's I think a bit the show is basically Minder. It's an yeah, Australian yeah. Minder. He's he's a bit of a fixer. He's a bit of a rough nut. He 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 gets involved in the physical stuff and he finds himself in, involved in, in some shady business. And he seems like a naive young country boy who accidentally beat somebody up and caused him mm. permanent damage and had to skip town. And that's why he's in Sydney now. Um, I suppose it has some form of potential in its nostalgic value of the set, you know, Sydney in the 80s and the old cars and stuff. And I, I mean, there's something in a story like that. You know, I've read heaps of American pulp from the 20s and 30s, and those kind of stories can always be really interesting if they're written well. Mm. But I, I personally don't like the writing, but I'm, I'm just, I'm really afraid. I, I've seen enough shows on television. It ain't Elmer Leonard. And been to saying. the movies enough times to know when somebody is good at acting. Mm. I know, I just know, I can watch them and if it sounds like that they don't know what they're doing and it looks like they don't know what they're doing, sure, blame the director, but I go to this, you know, it's the actor. None of them can do it except for David Wenham, which makes it even worse because he is so conspicuously good at acting and effortlessly inhabiting his character that it makes everything else just look embarrassing. Okay, can I ask what episode you saw? The first one. The first one, right. Yeah. Okay, so I saw the first one. That's yeah. the only one I've seen. Yeah. And you agree with me 100%. No, I agree with you about <laughs> 28%. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, <clears throat> I would say that on the basis of that one episode, mm. I thought it's a bit sort of, I mean, it looks dated. I mean, that, that that's one of, one of the f- things that struck me immediately was like this show looks like it was shot in the eighties. Yeah, the set, which is quite uh, yeah. quite weird, and it's and it's obviously deliberate. They, yes. they're, they're trying to capture an aesthetic, but not just in terms of the set dressing, mm. but the way it's lit. Uh, you know, everything everything about it feels like it belongs in a different era. Um, uh, that's kind of an interesting stylistic choice. I, I think some of the acting was a bit a bit ropey, and some of it I thought was you know it was it was serviceable. There was enough in it to make me think I would watch more. Okay, right? I just haven't yep. gone there yet. Yep. I've had you okay. know, other stuff oh, clamoring for attention. Man. You've got so much stuff to watch. Don't worry. Thanks. Don't Thanks. worry. Thanks. Don't don't. don't. Don't Thanks, Uncle Andy. Get on to the next thing, man. Okay, like you're not having lunch with any of these people in the near future, and actually and taking a photo. Of actually, the, are you really? Who no, are you having lunch no, with? no, I'm not. So. so, therefore, the onus is no longer on you to watch this. Again, I, I, I want to keep the profane language out of the podcast. I really do. I, I Good. try. Do I try, that. and I think I do I don't pretty think we, well. I don't think there's any need for an I, E label. I, I, e for explicit. No, I, I do pretty well. At Although I think we got one prof- last week. I think you know. I didn't say any swearing. I think you might have. No, I didn't. I think you might have. Anyway, don't waste your time. <laughs> do like me. <laughs> do like me. Waste your time. No, don't watch it. There's too much stuff to watch, man. Don't watch this. It's just. Carl, Andrew? can you remember how old you were or, or where you were? This is I'm taking you back to your very early You're not childhood. asking me another what am I embarrassed about no, question, no, no. are you? I don't, well, probably. It's probably <laughs> going to turn out that way in your case. I'm sorry to say. I really am sorry to say. I wish it were otherwise. If, if this is reflecting upon my childhood, it, almost certainly there is embarrassment <laughs> But involved. it may not be. It may be We may be not having to go that far back. Okay, but right. I want you to try and think. Are of, we doing like spooky, yeah, yeah, Scooby-Doo, yeah, yeah, yeah. wavy that, lines that, The newspaper spinning around. <laughs> Uh, yeah, go on. Right. Do you remember when you were first aware of being cool, either the absence in your own life or the awareness that there was somebody uh, in that you either saw on telly or knew at school 
or had just a sense that there was like something known. Coolness that was out there and it was either something to which I aspired or something which I felt you, I would never have. Or, or that or you just noticed. You just turned around and went, wow. Uh, and, but, and, well, yeah, okay. But yeah. I mean, I think... You want me to d- define Yeah, the I think terms. you need to. Okay, so in, in terms of uh, that sense of auteur and disdain, that sense of glacial independence from the uh, rough and rude opinions of the mob, the separateness, the... Uh, ability to maintain a sang-froid in situations that might have others waving their... So, so you have to drop French words in when you're talking you about do. Cool. do. Oh, you, you do. do. France is very yeah. important. Right. France okay. is very important okay. in being cool. <laughs> Don't know if you noticed that, Carl. So this may not have happened to you yet, this experience of cool. <laughs> So, were you a little boy? Were you a teenager? Where and was it a, a character in a film? Was it a television show? Was it somebody uh, at your school? I, I think the the I oh God look. I, mean, I would say that the my earliest sense mm. of of somebody like a kid, yeah, say a kid, yeah, who yeah. seemed to have something that mm. others didn't. Mm. It's probably about eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, it, yeah, probably. Because when that. you're at school, the people, the kids who are cool are almost always the most popular kids, all right? Mm. And they've got a group of kids around them who, who look up to them, who follow them. They may have sporting prowess mm. or they may have something. Yeah, that, but th- these are very different qualities from what you've just yeah, been rubbing on about. I'm there. just saying. With your Frenchy words the there, French mate. Words. Well, of course, grace and pressure and style and competence are all really important mm. parts of being cool as well. I was thinking about this today, right? Right. In reference to this podcast. You saw a photo of me and you mm, went, I did. I cool. Did. And I thought, <laughs> first thing I thought of was the Fonz. Yeah. Right? The yeah. Fonz, when you're a kid, there's a show called Happy Days, and there's this character in that show called the Fonz, and he's this epitome of all those things that I've espoused. Uh, he's, he's this very cool man that everybody looks up to and respects, and he's, he, his word is what everybody you know, hangs on, and what, if, what he says goes. He's just a mechanic. He doesn't even have his own place. He lives above a garage at, uh, in a family home, yet somehow he's this a cool cunning guy. Cunning yeah, no right. less. Then I realised, actually, that wasn't my first experience of being in the presence of cool, right? Mm. And... and so it wasn't that happiness, happiness was not at all influential on me in that respect, but this first experience really was. I was first, second, third day at school, right? Um, what they call in Victoria prep, what we call kindergarten in New South Wales. What, what do they call it up where you're from? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Don't know. So a kid kinder, in my class, kinder, a kid I'm sitting behind. We just sit in the same spots all the time. A kid I'm sitting behind has a blonde flat top. Winkle picker shoes, which are pointy shoes, which nobody was wearing in the early 1970s anymore, with a buckle on the side and the coolest school bag that you've ever seen. No one even had school bags, right? He had this Qantas airline bag. You don't even have to say this now, yeah. but I, my prediction is this kid was bullied mercilessly throughout no, primary school. No, no, no. He you was, know for sure he, he wasn't? No, no. He was, he was like a kid that everybody looked up to and followed. He was a great swimmer, well, great I can tell footballer. You now that, I can tell you now that if... He'd mm. come to school like that where I grew up. Yeah. He would have been shredded. Yeah. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. For some reason, and that's the thing, that's the, that's the type of personality. Like, if I'd have gone to school like that, mm. that's what would have You'd happened. You'd have been shredded. That's what, <laughs> right. And, okay. that's, and that's, that's what right. subsequently would happen when, when, you know, later down the track. But I, 
I, I remember this. I remember seeing this kid and thinking, not the word, because I wouldn't have known the word yeah. cool, but I remember yeah. just being amazed at his separateness and how a party was mm. from all the other boys and girls and everything about him was, was strange. And, and uh, I resolved to have, I'm going to have some shoes with buckles on the side and I'm going to have the same, I'm going to get that bag, the same Qantas bag that he has, right? Which took me, I've got it here. <laughs> See, um, it took me, uh, I don't know, another, 32 another years. 20 years or so to pick up a few in a second-hand shop in Belgrave. Um, but uh, it, 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 that was a really important introduction to me to the sense that, that there is a, a, a life that is not the mainstream life, right? Mm. And I've just finished a book by a guy called Joel Dynerstein, who's a professor uh, at, oh, I can't, Tulane University in... Um, New Orleans, Louisiana, and he's written a book on the origins of post-war cool in American society. Oh, cool! And it's <gasps> it's so great. Yeah. Okay. He bases it all on the notion of the Black American jazz musicians' experience and how developing a, a style and a language that was the opposite of Uncle Tomming and was a response to Jim Crow and, and a way for Black men to be dignified and to be able to live their lives without the without you know, getting beaten up or shot. That is being able to have some integrity about their person and not offend the white man, mm. you know. And it ventures into Paris, it ventures to France with Sartre and Camus and de Beauvoir and that intellectual and, and austere kind of um, sense of being. And it talks about American film stars like Barbara Stanwyck and uh, Robert Mitchum of course, Humphrey Bogart talks about film noir and talks about the younger generation of cool actors like Mar Marlon Brando and James, James Dean. Dean. Yeah. yeah, Even Elvis Presley, who, who to me is the farthest creature from being cool that I can possibly think of. But it really is rooted in the black uh, American experience of uh, creating an identity for yourself that involves having self-respect and having a sense of your own sense of worth and your own sense of importance as opposed to what the um, Being white, part of the gang what what, what, what white society is is, is going to let you have yeah. you know and it stops in 1963 it would be very interesting to see that was the end of cool well no it just it's that's his idea of the end of the post wars it becomes another zo right. uh, um, time zone maybe it's called Vietnam society or, or civil rights America or something because you know, there's a lot of interesting things there when it comes to but this this notion of um, having uh, style, competence, grace, a, a, a posture that is on the one hand something that you put on but on the other hand becomes integral to your being as a, as a person to be able to live with integrity. Mm. And it's a great book. It's really thick. It's a bit academic for, for in, in the sense that uh, it, it's not an easy read. In, in it's, it's not just f full of uh, gossip and showbiz facts. But it's fascinating it's, and it, it touches on people like um, Lorraine Hansberry who wrote uh, Raisin in the Sun and, of course, Lester Young, the jazz musician, and Billie Holiday, the jazz singer. All these, all these people um, living in America but also expats like well, Miles Davis' brief sojourn in Paris and people like Richard Dexter Wright. Gordon. Yeah, and Richard Wright and James Baldwin. And it's really uh, a great work. This, this man's devoted his life. He teaches a course... And he does TED Talks on being cool and on, on its importance as a touchstone. Um, and 
Uh, and he doesn't call this book the birth of the call. No, or the rebirth. Was it a was it a missed opportunity? I believe that that title might have been already used, <laughs> Carl. But you can th- reuse it, can't you? It's a thick, or is it uncool to do something like that? It's a thick, like expensive book that I recommend to anybody who's always had an interest in the idea that you your meaning, a person's meaning in life, is not about how accepted they are or how popular they are or how loved they are or how how many friends they have on Facebook or or what they do is getting some kind of feedback from others. If you're the kind of person who's interested in the idea that it is possible to live a really meaningful life without the cheap applause of the mob, then this is a book for you by Joel Dinerstein. I'm going to get it out of this Qantas bag and show it to Carl. Hear that? Oh, zips. Sound effects. Work. These zips, hey? It came with <laughs> this bag from like 1963. Is this zips. where I get to touch the book? Yeah, you can I, this time. Oh, I don't, I normally, really? I don't, normally I don't let Carl touch the books. <laughs> I always hold them at a distance from him. But this time I'm going to actually let him, I'm just going to let him touch this book just for a little while. Okay, because oh. I've, I've already read it, so, you know. Oh. Very nice. It's nice and heavy, isn't it's it? It's nice. It's a heavy tome. Yeah. I think that's what you call one of these, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there are heavier ones, for sure. Um, right. David right. Marr's book is thicker and yeah. heavier. Do you um do you go to the part of the bookstore that says heavy tomes? Yeah, is I do. Where you go? I do. Yeah, <laughs> they had one of these in readings uh, for 90 bucks. So 90 bucks? Well, it's an academic book. They're always more expensive, but maybe you have ways of finding books a, a little less than that retail price. I'm not going to make any suggestions along that path, but... Uh, his website has lots of really good stuff on it. He's very much involved in the reconstruction of New Orleans and in the the New Orleans music scene. Uh, There's an interesting article on there about what the gentrification of New Orleans has done and means for the people who live there or used to live there and now can't afford to live there. So, yes, The Origins of Cool in Post-War America by Joel Dynastein. See, I brought some culture to the podcast. Yeah. It's a book. Well beret. Well good. done. Beret. Beret culture. Beret good. Beret good, Andrew. <laughs> so that's it for this episode of The Clappers. You might find a couple of interesting things to look at on our Facebook page, which you can like, love, or loathe. I don't mind. I'm cool. I don't care. <laughs>